Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. You can support this podcast at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Melissa Alverdo of Greenleaf, Colorado. Melissa will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at LawAndOrderPodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Stephanie Craig, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it, Law and Order, Law and Order. Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about Network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or The Original Recipe. And today we're looking at SVU Season 8, Episode 21, Pretend. Well, Allentown Warner High knew her as little Loretta Sheridan. I guess she didn't like that name. You know what she likes is being 16. She was a sophomore there, too. This was five years ago. Yeah, I wonder how many times she repeated the 10th grade. Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On, Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting, and the HGTV and Me podcasts, my former wife, <laughs> Rebecca Lavoy. <laughs> Hello, Rebecca. Hey, we're talking about renovations this episode, right? Because there was a contract. Oh my god! Involved. Oh my god! No, wait. Here, th- this is the script for today. <laughs> Jeez. And but someone else who is a, actually a good multitasker okay. is our guest from the History Fangirl Podcast. It's Stephanie Craig. Hello, Stephanie. Hi, guys. So you're a professional travel writer. You podcast about things that are exotic to we mere Americans. It must be such a cool life. It's one of those lives that you put together after you have like a crisis where you realize you've made every choice wrong and then you just redo it. (laughs) And so now it's really fun. Yeah, now it's perfect. <laughs> Stephanie is actually one of those people that they say, like, and when you watch a show like House Hunters International, it's like, I'm a professional travel writer. My budget is $4 million. <laughs> <laughs> I've been running a blog. My, I live in Bulgaria. My budget is $45, please. And then it works here, actually. <laughs> yeah, now you are in Bulgaria. Tell us a little bit about uh, what the Law and Order universe is like on European television. Can you... F- Switch it on and see SVU anytime you want? No, you can see Bones, which I don't know if we're even allowed to talk about here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, fine. You can see Bones, but it's uh, dubbed in Russian, so it's worthless. Oh. I get most of my TV from uh, Hulu and Netflix. That's okay. In English, Bones is pretty useless, it's pretty too. pretty worthless. Yeah. <laughs> no offense, David Boreanaz. You know I love you. Always be angel to me. <laughs> So, uh, tell us, Stephanie, do you have a favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. I do. I love Finn and Munch. They're the best. Every time they show up on any, uh, like, whenever they're, like, kind of in the background, it's an okay episode, but whenever they bring them to the front and they're, like, really in the middle of it, that's when I think law and order is really the best. 
it becomes a very special special victims unit. Oh, absolutely. We've had so many guests talk about Finn and Munch. I think in our first episode, like I had like Briscoe and Green or something. Like I kind of have defected. I have become like a total Finn and Munch convert. Like they are now my favorite detective. Now that you have to well. watch these episodes so closely, I you've love come to appreciate them together. And I love the fact that they just as actors do not belong in a scene together. They just don't. Like there's no <laughs> there's no like universe in which they would ever be paired except for this one. And it really is incredible. They're 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 on screen the on screen interactions. Hey nobody thought honey and mustard would work together, but who knew? <laughs> I I feel like part of what's so great about Law and Order SVU is that they even got iced tea in there in the first place like when they were advertising it a hundred thousand years ago like that was one of the things that was like oh that's cool like I will I will definitely tune in for that and I just feel like he really makes the show and it doesn't matter what else goes on around him as long as Ice tea's there it's gonna be a good show (laughs) (laughs) do you have a favorite prosecutorial team favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team i really like abby carmichael like jack and abby Mm -hmm. are are, i'm i think that's pretty old school it's not really vanilla but it's like as close to vanilla as you can get but i I think the first time i ever tuned into law and order was like an abby episode so i gotta go with angie Hartman. it's funny we are more than a year into this podcast, and we haven't done a single original recipe Law and Order with Abby with Carmichael. Abby Car- but we are next episode. And we also have never had a guest choose Abby Carmichael, even though I, I think, chose Abby Carmichael in, in our first episode. I'm a mm-hmm. huge, huge fan of Angie Harmon on this show. She's so pretty, right? <laughs> she's, so, she's so nice to look at. <laughs> she's so pretty, but she's smart, and she doesn't come off... Like, sometimes they get people that yeah. are too pretty, and they don't know how to make them sound smart. Now, they make her sound very... Uh, like she's very conservative, and she's very like that part of New York that you don't think of when you think of New York. You mean Connecticut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. She just really, I, I don't know if the show would have gotten as big as it did eventually get if she hadn't have been on there for those three years, because those were some important years. That's when they were franchising out first, and yeah, she, she's wonderful. And she has some SVU crossover episodes that are great, too. I can just see her like wanting to slug somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think an iced tea Angie Harmon spinoff would be oh, awesome. Oh my god, dude! That would be so dude. great. Rizzoli and iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> now let's take a look at the first half of this episode, SVU season eight, episode twenty-one. Pretend. Look out! There goes a guy wearing a leather gimp mask on his face, running out of an abandoned building. <laughs> and then there's another guy in a leather mask, dead on a mattress, his sweatpants soaked in blood. S&M mask, cuts all over his body, genital mutilation. Maybe what the perp was aiming for, but he missed. His right femoral artery was severed. I'll give you about five minutes before you bleed out. Hopefully some of this blood is our killer's. Cutting fetish? Looks like he was hit with several light tubes. Glass is so thin it pretty much pulverizes when it's smashed. He's got crystallized fragments all over his body. This mask makes it look like he was supposed to be the executioner. Maybe it was consensual S&M gone bad. The victim is a 15-year-old boy. A neighbor tells Finn that in all of New York City, there's only one sexual predator, and he lives in <laughs> that building right there. Ex-con Darren Tolson says he's also being harassed by a woman who thinks that he, Tolson, is behind her son's disappearance several years ago. Now, because everything is just so convenient, they decide to bring mom to the morgue where, sure enough, she sees the dead teen that she had last seen watching Blue's Clues and says, that's her Joey. (laughs) 
But before they can go arrest Tolson, young Scott comes to the squad room with a videotape. He knew Joey as Riley, his BFF. The video shows the non-homoerotic bout of extreme wrestling in which they beat each other with a barbed wire wiffle bat and shattering fluorescent light bulbs. One of these shots to Riley's thigh cuts the femoral artery. Novak takes Scott to court looking for a murder conviction, but the jury gives him a lighter charge for the accidental death, sentencing to come later. Novak is intrigued by Riley's girlfriend, Cassandra, and after the trial, goes to her foster home. The high schooler says she hooked up with Scott after a fight with Riley. Cassandra also says they just learned in school about how you can bleed out from a severed femoral artery, leaving Novak to think Riley's death was premeditated. All right, so the MacGuffin in this episode is the sexual assault angle, and it it, it comes with two great scenes. And, it, Stephanie, the best, I think, is with your favorites, Finn and Munch. They oh, go yeah. to Tolson's apartment, and they go to the, you know, the superintendent, and they're all like... Mr. Tolson's a model tenant. I know, he modeled for a mugshot. You should see his layout in the sex offender registry. I think it's great. <laughs> I loved the landlord in this episode so much. Like, he was such, like, a felon's rights advocate in, like, the best, <laughs> most, like, capitalist way possible. But he, he honestly seemed like if you were an ex-convict, that like, he would probably be the best landlord you would find. Like, I feel like, I really, and then, like, the little hand movement he did at the end when he was like, go find him at the bakery. Like, I, <laughs> I love the landlord. He should get a spinoff, too. I really think that in your summary of the first half of this episode, you left out some incredibly important details. Uh, the return of denim jacket, Elliot Stabler, oh, yes, which is yes. my favorite version of Elliot Stabler when yes. he puts on the denim jacket. Um, the fact that Elliot Stabler is playing poker with his children and Dickie is referred to as Richard. Apparently he's, he's grown out of being <laughs> called Dickie. I mean, I'm just saying, like, if everybody in class knew that your dad worked at sex crimes and your name was Dickie, <laughs> some shit has to change. <laughs> At some point. Also, though, this whole MacGuffin thing with this, um, you know, the sexual assault alleged angle. I mean, they sort of plant like the, we see blood on a crotch and then we see a bat with barbed wire on it. So it's like it's like a fake out for the audience. Right. We're supposed to think it was some horrible like object rape situation. Yeah. Or a prequel to Walking Dead. Um, and so and so finally, I think the thing that you really missed out on um, the guy who uh, discovered the body, the contractor who lost his phone mm-hmm. on the phone with his wife. His wife sounded like such a bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how come she isn't the victim? Yeah, he's like, dude, I just, I can't, I, lo- I forgot my phone, just came back to find it. And you can just hear, like, he's just like, yeah, no, 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 there's nobody else here. Like, what the hell? That's a very unhealthy He's trying to explain why he couldn't return her phone call because he didn't have his phone. <laughs> right. Like, it's the first time he's had the phone. He clearly got caught cheating in the past and they reconciled and he has a very <laughs> short leash. <laughs> and he is not allowed to lose his phone because I also like why would you even go back to get your phone why wouldn't you just go home knowing you're going to get your phone at work because it's not a smartphone it's a flip phone like those were days when people could go for 30 minutes without a cell that's phone right. that's yeah, right yeah it wasn't nothing to look at and then that, and that you also talked about that bakery incident uh, and Olivia says to the perv baker um, my what strong hands you have my what strong hands you have like it's very <laughs> the whole thing is so weird well the, the great thing I liked about this scene uh, Stephanie is that as they're talking to Tolson and he's like rolling out the dough Elliot looks like I'm no. slacking off no it looks like you're trying real hard to act unconcerned when cops show up to question innocent guys they uh, usually stop what they're doing 
And everyone in TV land is like, what the fuck? Have you ever watched this show? <laughs> Nobody stops what they're doing when they talk to you. They're doing heart surgery. They're painting. Holding sweaters at the they're gap. They're soldering. They're doing brisk. It's, it's, it, nobody stops. Even in somebody's house, if they go to someone's house to talk to them, they don't even sit on dusting. the couch. They'll still be like, they'll still be like working in the kitchen, stirring soup. Nobody ever stops moving when they talk to these stupid cops. So the actor in the bread scene is the the guy that we're supposed to think did it. it he's a really he's a really good actor, but I like when he's like, <laughs> the bread will be dense, and then Olivia's like, dense will be you thinking you can get away with this. And it's just like, you haven't even ID'd the victim properly. (laughs) Novak is giving opening arguments in a homicide trial where the murder weapon was a fluorescent light bulb 15 minutes into this episode. You, You knew something else was going on. Something told me that this episode wasn't going to be 18 minutes long. I was kind of thinking at this point, you know... I bet there's going to be another twist coming. And then she walked in the door, that little twist. That's right, she did. So Novak says, hey, girlfriend of the victim. Um, <laughs> let in, me Inconspicuous, in, in too young, <laughs> pippy long stocking braids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, let me track you down because you might have something important to add now that the verdict is already in. <laughs> Yeah, why are they still investigating this case? It's over. Why didn't they interview the victim's girlfriend at any point before she walked into the courthouse? Yeah, she thinks, hey, I probably should talk to you about stuff. Yeah, and how many alleged children um, decide to go to a courthouse? Like, one of your friends is uh, on trial for murder, and, like, you're just going to, like, leave chemistry class with your backpack, and I'm going to go to court today. The whole thing, (laughs) it it smells a little bit fishy. Now, we do have a Hey, It's That Guy. Hey, it's that guy. We all recognize the defense attorney, Oliver Gates. Rebecca, you must know the name of the actor. Uh, I know who the actor is. His name. Oh, you can't. Right off the top of your. <sighs> no, 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 no. Stephanie, who's the actor? I don't know his name. I just know what he was on. What? He was what? in Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's Barry Boswick. That's right. I hear that you found out about her weeks ago. How come you haven't arrested her? It's sex once. Detective Stabler, I'm shocked by your double standard. Is that what you'd say to an underage female victim who'd just been seduced by a lecherous old man? I was going to say he was also like a, a perennial guest on like Love Boat in the 1980s. Yeah. He's the mayor on Spin City. Yeah. Which is like yeah. the show that I watched until uh, Alex Keegan wasn't on it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, Barry's fifth and final appearance on SVU as Oliver Gates. But the uh, real, hey, it's that guy that you just can't put your finger on, but you know you've seen him before is the landlord. Oh. Stephanie's favorite guy? Yes. Do you know the name of this actor? I don't know. I have no idea, but I love him, so I will watch whatever else he's done. This is Clark Middleton. Um, You've seen him in Kill Bill and now The Blacklist and the new Twin Peaks. He has a a very distinctive look because he had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, Hmm. so he's very short and he has, uh, he walks... Uh, with a you know uh, a very stilted manner because of that. Mr. Tolson paid his debts to society and he pays his rent on time. Where do you propose ex-felons live? On the street? Yeah, I'd take an island a thousand miles away from the nearest kid. Then consider this an oasis. I don't rent to couples with children. But he did play a recurring role on Law and Order, the original recipe in the 90s as a forensics technician. Oh, Ooh. so he was one of those guys they'd go talk to to get something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then he could like move from here so to he over was, there. He was an exposition tool in the early Law and Order episodes. And he, and he continues to be so. <laughs> but they just gave him the name Landlord. Okay. 
first of all, the politics of law and order, they're the politics of like middle America. They're not the politics of New York. So whenever they come up against like a New Yorker who's going to talk the way that like they really think like, I mean, it's, it's not revolutionary to think that people who used to be in prison need places to live. And so the idea that this landlord has to tell police like, Yes, obviously we don't want him living on the street. It's just like amazing. But he also has this like attitude like, you guys are cops and I see you guys all the time and this is my business and I don't... What's the line? I wrote down the line even because it was my favorite. They're like, we would put them in an island in the middle of the ocean or something. And he goes, I don't rent to couples with children, so this is an oasis or something very similar. And I just loved... I love him. So are we going to talk about the third, hey, it's that guy in the first half of this episode? Who is it? Uh, the judge in the case that is presented to us is Patricia Calliver from the television show Sisters. These proceedings have gone on for some time, Miss Novak. If she's not here by now, I don't think she's coming. I'm ready to pronounce sentence. I love Sisters. And she is way more famous than number two, Hey, It's That Guy. So, like, I'm a little bit offended that you didn't pick up on that one. Wait a minute. That, that's a Hey, It's That Girl. It's a Hey, It's That Girl. All right, girl. hold on. Let me hit the button. Hey, it's the girl. What is, she's, she's Georgie? No, Frank. Georgie was Cela Ward, right? Okay. No, I think she was Teddy. Uh, yes. I yes. love that show so much. I That's one of those shows that, from that era that nobody has gone back to really. like Nobody remembers if, it was on. <laughs> if a show was made like 1989 to 1994, no one is Netflixing it. Like it doesn't exist right. anymore. The Days in Life of Molly Dodd would be another example of that. Remember that one with uh, Blair Brown? Empty Nest. Yeah. <laughs> nobody watched any of these fucking shows. I know. One with Tom Skerritt on CBS. That was by David E. Kelly. Wasn't one with Burt Reynolds? <laughs> That was supposed to be really good. I, yeah, Wilford Brimley raising all those orphans. <laughs> it was gold. It was the golden era of television. <laughs> the Golden Girls spinoff, <laughs> Platinum Girls. <laughs> this is the theory of the crime that Scott, mm-hmm. who was so enraged with his friend Riley, mm-hmm. that he decided to kill him by severing his artery mm-hmm. with a light bulb. With a light bulb. <laughs> He's going to say, you're going to stand right there with those sweatpants on, and I'm going to hit you so hard with this light bulb that shatters if I just squeeze it too hard mm-hmm. that I will definitely kill you. Now, first of all, I'm just saying, if that was, was the setup, would you not insist that, hey, man, why don't we wrestle in shorts tonight? <laughs> I mean, step one, right? Yeah, it was a flawed theory of the crime, certainly, for sure. Also, you know, there was a whole thing of, like, there were other things around that probably would have made better murder weapons. It was a construction site, after all. There were hammers. Exactly. (laughs) There were bricks. And why did you feel the need to videotape it? How did you think that was going to (laughs) help? They were putting up the videos on YouTube. They were they were trying to become like but, YouTube stars. Yes, if it's an accident. But if you're really going after to kill him <laughs> in this bizarre way, why well, is like, hey, tonight I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna videotape up my I'm murder. Gonna, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to wear a mask so no one's going to know it's me in case my, I change my mind. I love when the kid pretended like someone else was behind the camera and they were like, yeah, but we see you walking behind the camera and it was then the tripod. Out in front of the camera. <laughs> this entire episode is just people walking up to the Law and Order cast and being like, hey, I'm going to tell you a weird lie that you're going to figure out in like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know who the murderer kid is. And he's like, here, take my camera. No, it wasn't me. There was a fake other per- Like, none of this episode makes any sense. <laughs> Here's the victim's name. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. 
You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode. Too late to get him for murder one, Novak hopes to use Cassandra's story at a sentencing hearing to get Scott the max. Instead, he gets probation. Cassandra missed the hearing because she was hit by a car in the crosswalk. Stabler checks the traffic cam and gets a perfect agony of defeat photo of Cassandra (laughs) going over the hood. The hit-and-run driver appears to be one of Scott's buddies. He admits he ran her over for $500. Cassandra is in the hospital with her leg in a cast and her jaw wired shut, but her doctor has some shocking news for Benson. The admission records say she's 16. Yeah, she is. On the x-ray of her jaw, I noticed she didn't have any buds. Sorry, what are buds? Undescended wisdom teeth. They don't come in until you reach adulthood. Right. When I was wiring her, I noticed that she had scars where her wisdom teeth had been extracted. So what does that mean? Cassandra can't be 16. Judging from how well the scars are healed over, I'd say she has to be in her mid to late 20s. Ooh, shocker. (laughs) (laughs) The squad unravels a trail of fake identities the past decade of a woman they think is named Denise. When confronted by Benson and Stabler, the jaw-wired imposter just says something that sounds like, Oil can! Oil can! (laughs) Meantime, Scott wants to press charges against Cassandra for statutory rape. A sympathetic Novak offers her a plea, but refuses it because it would require her to admit she's Denise. Cassandra represents herself in court and in a cross-examination that really does sound like two sophomores arguing, an enraged Scott admits his plan was to kill Riley all along. In the last attempt to help Cassandra, she brings in the girl's first foster mother. She confesses that when the system kicked her out at 18, she didn't know how to care for herself. That's when SVU says a string of teenage boyfriends from all of her past high schools are now pressing charges against her. Okay, because Casey thinks it's so important for Cassandra to testify at the sentencing. Stephanie, we just know she is not going to show up, right? (laughs) I love how when they go and find the picture of the guy hitting her, first of all, he hit her on a crosswalk camera, which I feel like if you were going to do it, you should ask for more than $500, for that crime. Exactly. Especially when we know he owes his dad a thousand dollars. Like what are you you're not yeah. gonna hit two people. Bad negotiator, yeah. Like this is you need to get the whole amount of money. But I love how when they find his picture, they're just like, Oh, that's the one friend that admitted he had a reason, like a motive to want to do a crime like that. Like none of it makes any sense at all. And then Cassandra, her face is like already bloody in that picture. I feel like the <laughs> physics of the car crash picture were also off. There was something else off about the car crash situation. Um, that is an impossible crime to commit in Manhattan. Why? <laughs> because think about it. You are waiting to cross the street and there are cars just coming and there's lights. And when the light changes is when you cross the street and you have to be at the first spot in able uh, to be able to hit the person, so you have to know when they're going to wa- be at the corner okay. when they're walking. You have to know the direction they're walking. 
Uh, yes. You also have to be which, in the worst traffic in the world. Which block they're going to decide to cross over across town? It'd be the first on. It could car be at any the light. Block. Exactly. It's an impossible crime to commit in Manhattan. And then also, you, he's starting at zero. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. I mean, if it's a red light and yes. she's crossing, yes. then he's not zipping through. No. Well, in this in this case, yes. He just he was just like, hmm. Let me get some traffic cones that there are no other cars on the road, so I can just be the only one speeding down Lexington or whatever to hit this poor girl. It was ridiculous. The whole thing was ridiculous. Also, wouldn't they go to high school together? Like, wouldn't she know this kid if they're if she's dating both of his friends? It looks like Steve's car. You'd think. You Point. would think. And what kind of kid in Manhattan has a car? Zero of them. That's what kind of kid in Manhattan has a car. Wouldn't he have been killed by the traffic going the other way? I mean, if you know New York at all, I'm just going to pull out. I'm going to hit and run. I mean, you're, the driver who is taking his life in his own hands, he's the one who's going to get killed by traffic coming the right. other way. So do we ever figure out like who paid him to hit, hit her? Oh, yeah, it was Scott. He had 500 bucks from all those videos. But he loved her. It doesn't make sense. It makes no sense. The whole thing makes no sense. It didn't. No, it, because if also he, he he carried out the crime that he wanted to carry out, but he didn't have a plan B on like winning her over or anything. So a, after he's arrested, it's like he stops trying to date her. It doesn't. <laughs> mm, none of it makes yeah. any sense. <laughs> okay, so I got to ask, who looked younger? The actress from our last podcast episode <laughs> who mm-hmm. played a teenager yep. or the actress in this episode playing a woman pretending to be a teenager. Well, what's interesting is that like we found out from on Twitter or something that that actress in the last episode we were making fun of being 35 was actually only 20 when they filmed she that episode. She was 22. Um, and this actress... I know math and IBDM too. <laughs> I, I, I was looking this up. Yes. <laughs> but like also th- th- what they did here was just with the braids. I mean, they were trying so hard. Her face did look young. I mean, she could probably have played a teenager but with with the costuming that they so deliberately did as a trick to the audience I don't know if it was supposed to be her tricking her friends in which case if that's the way she dressed in high school like why are so many boys lusting after her because like that was the least sexy (laughs) look you could possibly go for but they were supposed to be tricking us as the audience right the braids were supposed to be fooling us or something oh and she had those tiny dainty earrings and she just had like a like lip gloss and just like a tiny bit of mascara yeah like and the baby voice right I had a physiology anatomy class with Scott. A week before it happened, we learned about the femoral artery. If it's cut, how quickly a person can exsanguinate. Oh, yeah. If you wanted to to be 16 for Halloween, this is the outfit you would put together. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this actress, her name is Misty Treya. Mm-hmm. And would you think that she's, we, we, we said last week the actress, uh, she was 22 when right. she played the teen. Would you think she's younger or older than that actress? I'm going to say just because I know the people at SVU so well that they cast somebody older who lo- happens to look young because they thought they were being clever. Yeah, she was 28 years old at the she time. She really was 28. She was 28. The fake age she was supposed to be in the show. Yeah. Huh. She looks pretty good for her age. Yeah. <laughs> As Olivia would later point out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if I looked like that at 28, that would be fantastic. But she did not look 16. Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, though, it does kind of get old when you keep getting carded, right? <laughs> hey, let's talk about that court scene and Cassandra's cross-examination. Mm. Uh, who wants to do the uh, the Perry Mason breakdown here? How did she do, Rebecca? <laughs> when Cassandra decided to be her own lawyer? Yes, Your Honor. Limp- I'll be good. Limping up with her little crutch. Um, her lawyer was so absent during the scene like any in any like real life scenario right he would be like uh judge let me confer with my client uh can we take a brief recess uh and then like he would put the kibosh on that right yeah how did 
they come to that decision that she would be allowed to do that? What was that meeting like? I don't know. I think they just wanted them to talk to each other and they're like, there's no other way we can do this without <laughs> pretending that we need to do it in a courtroom. On the one night in question, did I make a pass at you? Yes. You wrapped your arms around me and pressed your body against mine. I was crying on your shoulder. Make that a question, Miss Pickering. That's not my name. You were crying over my friend Riley, who had just dumped your skanky ass. Objection. You can't object, Miss Pickering. Watch your language, Mr. Heston. My best friend Riley, who you also tricked into screwing you because he thought you were 16 like I did. I am 16. You took advantage of us. You're disgusting. I'm disgusting. You're disgusting calling Riley your friend after what you did to me. Bailiff, take the jury you out. Miss Pickering, you murdered me. I only killed it because of you. It's your fault. You bring it back. I have one other like quibble with this whole like thing about her being having this history. Uh-huh. You know, I think it's a little sloppy that every time somebody they want to say that somebody's from a rough place, they pick Allentown just because it was in that Billy Joel song, Allentown. <laughs> Allentown is not actually a shitty place. Billy Joel chose that town because it sounded good in the lyrics. It wasn't actually about Allentown. It was there. about Bethlehem? Yes, it was about Bethlehem, oh, okay, Pennsylvania, right, yeah. which right. actually was a shitty place. But yeah. Allentown is fine. That is oh, not where all the- Oh, here in Bethlehem. <laughs> yeah, this is rhyme with the sink. <laughs> but I, I don't feel like this is the first or last time I hear of Allentown referenced as like a super shitty place that a criminal is from originally. Really? So they just got tired of <laughs> shitting on New Jersey? Is that yours? <laughs> oh, no, all right, she lives Stephanie. in New Jersey, too. That was one of her places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she said, I get, where else can I go where I can- Pick, fleece the welfare system. So her final thought as she is being, you know, taken away, as, as it were, was that she's confronted with all these photographs of her boyfriends from over the years. You didn't love any of them. I loved them all. So why'd you leave them? They got older. I didn't. That was her justification for the statutory rape. It's like Peter Pan, right? Well... <laughs> There's so many things that are weird about her whole situation, I guess. But one of them is, like, how did they get photographs? Because they said, like, people are calling in. But they had actual, like, tailor-made photos that were not, like, overnighted. They just, they looked like they were cut out of yearbooks almost, but they were, like, the originals. Where did those come from? Somebody put them in an envelope and mailed them to SVU. (laughs) I think. (laughs) As opposed to going to a lawyer. And say, oh, just send this to the police. Let them know I want my Directly money. Directly to the police. Or put them yes. on the digital screen that you spent thousands of taxpayer dollars on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just one big dangling plot point that we mm-hmm. have to address. One? Just one. All right. <laughs> so the victim was a kid who's been missing for years. Mm. There's never, there's never any follow up to who took him. No, there is. He's not. He's not even that kid. They He's never even told the mom. No, you were wrong. Wait. This was not your child. No, no, it wasn't. She was like hysterical, and she. It was pretty clear to me, anyway, in the scene that was obviously cut out that we didn't get to see that, like, she claims that other boys are her missing boy. Like, she's hysterical. It's not him. But didn't she? She testify at the sentencing hearing. No, that about was, how her life was ruined. That was his actual mom. That was a Jesus Christ! Lady. I can't keep up. <laughs> with any of it. <laughs> this episode was crazy and it was edited really badly. I love SVU, but one of the problems with SVU is they're not really forced to take the same, I don't know what the name, I'm blanking on the word, but Law and Order, Original Recipe has like a very set plot and it, it's it, it's always that. You know, you always get to the courtroom in about 
30 minutes in. But SVU is allowed to get a little bit crazy. And this episode, they got too crazy. No, no, no. Not as crazy as the new episode that aired this week that was all spent like an interrogation room. That was insane. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I'm, <laughs> I'm watching wait. it next. <laughs> Just you wait. I thought this one broke format. Like they're, they're going to cuckoo bananas with that shit now. But yes, Kevin, you're right. That was a dangling plot thread that you didn't even pick up on that it was a different dangling plot thread The whole time I'm thinking thought. it's like, what are the odds? No. First, the, the, the kid gets kidnapped, and but he's still going to the same school? No, it's a different kid. And we never see the the, fin, the wrap up of that story. We never see them apologize to the guy they accused. We never see them go to the mom and say, hey, what's wrong with you that you're accusing people and calling everyone like your dead son? See, I still think those would be more important crimes to investigate <laughs> as opposed to whether she's playing Pippi Longstock. <laughs> They never really explained it. Does she have a psychosis where she really thinks she's 16? Because she never admits that she's not. She just admits that, like, she's been to all these places. But I feel like she really thinks she's 16. And I this was a completely missed opportunity to bring in B.D. Wong and get really... Yeah, he was just not available. <laughs> ...into her psychology. I needed him in this episode to yeah, tell me, me what was going yeah, on. Yeah, now she just decided... Uh, I guess I just don't want to grow up. Because you know B.D. Wong knows about some super obscure, exact, specific diagnosis that he could make of this girl after spending four minutes with her in that little room with the puppets that they have at the yeah. SVU oh, yeah. squad. Yeah. He could figure it out, and he and then he could testify to it, and then he'd get pushback from the cops saying, that's no excuse. Like, we missed all of that. Yeah, he would just be able to go, yeah, she's cuckoo bananas. <laughs> Well, and he would be like, her brain stopped developing at 16, so legally she is 16. And then we would, we'd have real conundrums. But as of right now, she's just a rapist who has raped boys across the country whose parents have enough money to overnight their photographs. So there's one other like huge dropped plot point that like I, it really upset me. Mm-hmm. Poker, right? The show opens with this poker game and we see Elliot playing poker with his kids. There's tons of poker references like all through the episode. Like there's all these little like little passing lines about bluffing. Oh, as a gambling debt because of a poker thing. Right. And we don't get the sassy iced tea line at the end of the episode that we should have gotten, which is like, I guess that was a royal flush. Or I guess (laughs) I guess the queen showed her hand like that. That was just looks like somebody forgot to bluff. (laughs) Exactly. It was missing from the show. And we also never got the little sandwich scene with Stabler at the end because, you know, every time they show his kids at the beginning of an episode, he's going to somehow bring the case home and be angsty about poor Kathleen. We didn't get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, a great scene would have been like uh, they get home and they like Kathleen's like putting her hair in braids. Yes. <laughs> and he punches a mirror. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. 
All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. Can't wait. It's time for Rip from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Rip from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the story of Trevor Throneberry. As a teenager in Texas, she told authorities her parents were devil worshippers and was put in a mental hospital. Once discharged, Throneberry roamed the country throughout the 1990s. Now in her 20s, she used a number of identities claiming to be a teenager fleeing an abusive past. While posing as a teen, Throneberry was able to scam money from the foster system and other charities. She enrolled in local high schools. Before moving on to another town, she'd accused one of her caretakers of raping her, charges the police always determined were false. After turning 30, it became harder for Throneberry to convince people she was a teenager. <laughs> when she started wearing bifocals, it was more difficult for her to convince people she was a when teenager. When arrested for fraud in 2001, <laughs> she refused to give her name and had to be identified using DNA. Prosecutors say Throneberry was not delusional, just an exceptional con artist. She was sentenced to three years in jail. Throneberry was in the news again in 2016, working under an assumed name as a hotel worker. She accused a guest of attacking her. After a brief investigation, police dropped all the charges against the man. So, just like in the show, Treva Thornberry was discovered by a dentist who saw that her wisdom teeth had been removed. I think it's a pretty good detail. What do you that think? is freaking fascinating. I am going to be Googling the shit out of this Thornberry <laughs> woman when we finish taping this episode. This is a one of the most interesting rip from the headlines cases you have ever had Cy Freighter read about on this show. I am like super impressed with this real life case. Not so much this episode, but the real life case for sure. Uh, Stephanie, what do, you, what do you think about how they drew upon uh, those details and, and brought them in? Because I, they really could have done this was sort of like half the second half of the show was all this. This really could have been the whole show, I think. I think it should have been the whole show. They should have had P.D. Wong in there. And also <laughs> the nurse. I'm pretty sure the doctor or the nurse, whoever it was that told Olivia, that, I'm pretty sure that was a HIPAA violation. Like, I don't yes. think she's allowed to just be like, hey, this person that's part of a crime uh, is lying about this thing that is medical. Right. Like, yeah. if it was a baby or something, they wouldn't have been allowed to say, like, oh, she's pregnant. Like, it's just, it made that made no sense to me. Like, they, she should have confronted her. Like, no point should anybody have figured it out from that. Yeah, she even said something like, I don't know who I'm supposed to tell about this, but... <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to tell the detective. <laughs> <laughs> so so here's my like question for the writers. If they were in front of me, I would ask them this question. In the real-life case, you have a woman pretending to be a girl falsely accusing caretakers of rape. Over and over again, yeah. Isn't that the way better cold open of a show, to like have them go to a scene where someone has accused somebody of rape, then find out that it's a false claim, then uncover this? Why this whole thing with the boys and the bats and the... It's, it's like a dumb macguffin trick when the real story would have been a fantastic SVU episode. You know, there's probably a, re- a real story about extreme wrestling... <laughs> That they were just too embarrassed to admit (laughs) had anything to do with this. One of the writer's nephews, perhaps, was involved in. Well, what I would want to ask is I would want to ask the costume designers. Like, so you gave her this amazing 16-year-old setup, but you forgot to dye the gray hair that she has that you can see (laughs) very clearly in the episode, like in the courtroom. Like the very first scene, she has this one perfect gray hair, and that's about the age where you get a single gray hair, and they should have plucked it. Mm. 
Maybe they they kept it in as a clue. Maybe they didn't realize. <laughs> maybe maybe she st- spent like an extra twenty minutes in the makeup chair so they could like paint that single one gray for smart people <laughs> like us. Or maybe they didn't anticipate that someday we would all have ultra HD, four K, <laughs> flat screen TVs on our walls. That doesn't help. <laughs> she has no acne. What's the problem, <laughs> Stephanie? I think the flaw in Trevor Thornberry's plan is that she ends up spending thirteen years in high school. <laughs> That's way longer than a prison sentence. Also, who wants to date high school boys after you're not forced to be in high school with them anymore? I was a, when I was 21 and 22, I did um, Teach for America. And so I was teaching like 17 and 18 year olds when I was 21, 22. They smell so bad. Like <laughs> you want them to learn math. So you like really appreciate being around them and you want to teach them. But they're not dateable after you are after oh. the world of actual men is accessible to you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now, Trev actually had a longtime boyfriend in one of the high schools. They went to the prom together. There are mm, photos. That's so romantic. But uh, he, she was never accused of statutory rape, as far as I know. But, 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 but like what you, what you guys bring up, why not combine the two things? I mean, like fake being a teen, right? But a teen Lolita, so you can date the guys who really know what they're doing. Ew, that's just gross. <laughs> the ones who be eager to, like, you know, but please she's, you. But she's the one who like knows what she's doing ostensibly, right? Which is how she gets all of these boys to like fall in love with her and is able to put all these plots in action because she's really experienced. Mm-hmm. So imagine like you're a teenage boy and your first girlfriend, who's like a foster kid who has this hard luck story mm-hmm. who says she's a virgin is all of a sudden like an animal in bed because she's actually 28 and she mm-hmm. slept with like 700 people. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, it's... it's, it's I, I don't I, see a downside well, yet. Well, for the high schoolers? For the high school, yeah. That's insensitive. You asked me to... St- that's insensitive. These boys were victims. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> As the show are, reminds which, us But they are very again. special victims. <laughs> As the defense attorney reminds us, he's like, you have to prosecute. And Stanmore's like, they only had sex once. Oh, I'm sorry. Are people allowed to get raped once on your watch? Like, what are you? Exactly. What are you talking yeah. about? <laughs> Stephanie, I want to ask you if you had the superpower of being able to look like you were t- 16 years old again. And you go back and do something. What would you do? Ooh. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like as much fun as I had at 16, that is not when you get to make your best life choices or live your best life. <laughs> I really feel like 30 is the new 16. So I'm, I, I don't know if I want to be 16 again. It's rough. You can't really drive yet. Like, every time you make a left turn, you're, like, worried you're going to hit oncoming traffic. Like, I don't know if I want to be 16 again. How about you guys? I'll say this. Even when I was 16, uh, $500 to commit a murder, I still would have known it was not enough fucking money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is going to do it for us. want to thank our guest all the way from Bulgaria, Stephanie Craig. Stephanie, where can our listeners follow you? So uh, the podcast is the History Fangirl Podcast, and it's available wherever you get podcasts. Um, Instagram, Facebook, it's History Fangirl. Find me there for travel photos. And then if you want to see a lot of angry political retweets, uh, I'm a History Fangirl on Twitter. And Rebecca, how can our listeners follow you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy, And I will implore listeners of this show, please check out my new podcast, HGTV and Me. It's a lot of fun. And Kevin's on it, too, if that helps. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. 
You can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoie. Content assistance from Travis Roy. Lily Flynn handles promotions. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps others discover this program just like you did. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the Podcast Hall of Justice and is produced by Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated.